So we're recording. Ollie Belcher, thank you very much for joining me on the Mad Leaders podcast. And just by way of a little introduction to um, Ollie. Ollie is mum of three children, including the brilliantly named Barnaby. She's a recipient of numerous awards. We've already had a little bit of a laugh, haven't we, Ollie, about how, how we've only got 40 minutes or so, so we can't list all the awards. But she is also currently president of St Edmunds Hall, Oxford alumni. She's the CEO of Shivia, which we'll hear a little bit more about. And well, I'll tell you what, let's, there's so much to talk about. Where should we start? Should we start at the beginning? It's very sound of music, but is that the place to start? Well, that is one of my favourite um, films of all time. So absolutely. And Captain Von Trapp died last week. I know. It's terribly sad. So I have been thinking about the sound of music. So let's start there. And have you watched it since Christopher Plummer died? I haven't, but I do know absolutely inside out because we performed it when I was at school. And, and even though we were an all-girls school, we, we performed Sound of Music. And my, one of my best friends was Captain Von Trapp. And she, oh. she is now my daughter's godmother. <laughs> <laughs> Extraordinary. <laughs> so um, how's your singing voice today? Well, I, I, I could maybe do a little bit of a sing for you, but um, you no, know, I think we're a little bit out of practice. Could you sing us out at the end? Maybe I can sing you farewell. Brilliant. So long, so long, so long, farewell, I'd be just saying adieu. Well, let's not get there yet. Tell me a bit about your childhood, Ollie. So, well, I was, I was born and brought up in London. Um, I'm the middle of, of three uh, children. And I went to, a, just as mentioned, a small Catholic convent boarding school called St Mary's Ascot, which I absolutely loved, especially for the friends I made. And we're sort of, I think it's a boarding school, we're more like sisters. Did you tell me you were in the tennis team there? I was. I was in the. I was in the first four, which was one of the big. Um, I was in two two main two main things at school: the tennis team and the choir. So um, those were my two big things at school. And what happened after after school? So after school, I spent my year between school and university in India, and and then I went on to Oxford University, where I did my undergrad for three years, and then I did a master's after that, well, let's still at Oxford. Okay, well, we'll come back to Oxford in, in a bit, but why did you go to India? What's your Indian connection? So, um, well, it's really my dad. He, he was brought up in, in Calcutta and, and, well, different parts of India. And um, when I was growing up, he was always telling me stories about his childhood in India and the work his father had done with Mother Teresa, um, helping to start her first ever little home called the Loyola Dispensary. And I suppose it just captured my imagination. I was just always desperate to go. And my dad, my dad's quite, um, he's definitely a raconteur. And, and the stories he told used to just, I don't know, just inspire me. And I wanted to go out there for as long as possible at the first possible chance. And that was after school. Hasn't he just brought out a book, your dad? <laughs> he has. I think it's definitely for family only at this stage um, when you see the content of his book. But he, um, he, has, he has brought out a book. And, it, and it actually, when I read it, it it reminds me of all those wonderful stories he told me when I was when I was growing up. So let's go back to school just for a moment. What, what were your ambitions, school? Is Mother Teresa your front and centre or what, what were you thinking? I think I don't think I had very many ambitions at school. I, I did love being in the tennis team. I played every single morning and actually I did some of the um, county tennis on the side. Um, so that was a big part of my school life. I love the choir. We went on various uh, choir trips around the place to Ireland, Canada. And I do remember the absolute mortification when our music teacher stood up on the plane. It was Canada's National Day. And out of nowhere said, the St Mary's Ascot Choir are going to sing up, stand up now and sing, Oh Canada. And you could see all these people on the plane thinking, oh, 
God. And we had to sing, stand in the aisles singing the national anthem. So it was a bit of a, a, a definite memory of being in the choir. Um, and yeah, but I did love that. And we did the chapel choir every, every week and, and the Campion Singers was the big thing. So that was a big part of my school career. Okay, so let's, um, let's, let's skip along a little bit to um, Oxford University. So were you a Cox at Oxford? Yes, I was. I'd never done it before, um, but I decided to give something different a go. And at Teddy Hall, my college, rowing and rugby were the big, big sports. And um, I'm not particularly big. I, I'm five foot three, um, which you would not believe if you saw my siblings who are both touching six foot. But I, um, I thought, oh, you know, sounds perfect. I'll get in the box. I'm a, I can be a bit bossy so I can steer the boat and give instructions and quite a fun thing to do. And did you did you expect to get into Oxford? Oh, God, no. I'm still shocked to this day that I got into Oxford. <laughs> uh, I, I literally, I, I actually I still have a dream occasionally where I didn't get into Oxford. You know, and actually between you and me, I, the first time I did, I got rejected, which was no surprise to me. Um, and then I, I got in second time round. And so you were doing geography at, at, at Oxford? Yes. In, in St. Ed, St Edmunds? Yeah, we call, we call it Teddy Hall as our well, affectionate name, but it's St Edmunds Hall. Okay, so, te- so Teddy Hall. And how did you do in your geography? Can I get, if I gave you a capital test, would you, would you do all right? No, I, <laughs> that's why I'm so shocked Oxford took me. Well, I've got, no. okay, what, what's the capital of Burkina Faso? Oh, I know that one. Oh, Bagadougou. It's well one done. of my favourites. No one of my favourites. So, no wonder you're so good at geography. <laughs> Extraordinary. Okay, so let's get back to, to Shivia. What is Shivia all about? How did Shivia come about? Well, Shivia came about really because in between school and university, I went, I went to India for that year and I um, worked in a home for abused and abandoned children living in the villages of West Bengal, which is in northeast India. And when I was there, I saw families living in extreme poverty and when talking to the women what they were lacking was access to finance and skills in their life so it seeded a little, a little um you know a little so little seed in my head that if these women had those two things they didn't have to be living the way they were so when I got to Oxford I used um I used my dissertation in both my undergraduate and my theses for, as an opportunity to get out out there and look into this issue more deeply and that was really how Shivia started I just wanted to start up something which could help them. And it started a little bit and then gained, gained traction and, until we're, we're the organisation that we are today. Well, we're going we're gonna to get on to that because Shivya is an extraordinary organisation. But I want to know, and I'm sure the listeners want to know a little bit more about the woman that runs Shivya. So <laughs> it sounds like life was reasonably straightforward for you getting to you know, growing up in, in London, a dad that's... a um, well, he's not really an author, is he? But um, a, a, a successful father. You go into Oxford. You come out with, is it a first in geography? It all sounds so straightforward. Was it straightforward? Yeah, I, th- I think up until that point, it, it probably was. I mean, you have, you have your knockbacks, don't you? When boy, you were split up with boyfriends and it's like devastating at the time and you can't think of anything worse and life's not going to get better. And then suddenly you meet someone else and it's all better again. Or, um, you know, you, you get turned down for a particular job and you're absolutely devastated. And then two years later, you're thinking, thank goodness I got turned down from that job because I wouldn't be where I am now. So, you know, there, obviously there are knockbacks along the way. Like I told you, I didn't get into Jesus College in Oxford, but I got into Teddy Hall, which turned out being the best experience ever. So I've had, I've had, I have had setbacks. Um, I, think, I think more recently things have been a bit, quite a bit challenging because 
I, I don't think when your children are nine and seven, you expect them and four to be at home the whole time. But I was, I was thinking since last March, when we went into lockdown, my children have been in school for 14 weeks in total in a year. So, you know, that, that's got its, its challenges. So I think that, um, I think that things, yeah, I mean, everything's, everything's fine, but it, it, there have been challenges. Are you the homeschool teacher? I am the homeschool teacher. Um, my, my son's now taken care of because he's moved into the private system and they do a very good online um, teaching. But my, but my daughter, I'm very much her, very much her teacher. And what, um, so I mean, jumping on to COVID and pandemics and, and so on, how, how are you coping? What are, you, what are your thoughts on, on the world as it is at the moment? Well, I, I, think, I think that I, I, we're coping okay. Um, I, I, I would like to know when it's going to end because it's like running a marathon. And then every time you think you're getting to the end, the goal, you know, the, the end line changes again and you have to sort of somehow find some um, extra, extra something within you to keep on going. Um, I, I, found, I found this time in lockdown, it's a, bit, it's a bit bizarre because a lot of my children's friends do seem to be back at school for not very obvious reasons. So I'm trying to also deal with the fact that they don't understand why their friends are back at school and they're not. So there are little emotional challenges coming in from the children. There are, you know, in, in terms of my job, a lot of charity fundraising is done by being at events and being out and networking. That's all not possible. So that's been a bit, a bit challenging. And then I, I miss my team in India. I'm used to going out to India two or three times a year for them to come in here. And, you know, India is such a, a society or a culture based on human relationships and being together. And, and, and Zoom and technology is fantastic, but it does have its limitations. Um, it's, been, it's been said that um, women of 2021 are expected to work like anyone else in 2021 or work like they did in 2019, but operate like mums of 1950. Is that, is, is that your experience? Well, I, I think it depends on the relationship you have with your husbands and the expectation one has in a, in a um, or, or whoever your partner is and, and expectations in that relationship. Um, I think in, in my particular case, yes, I've definitely, I've definitely um, found that the homeschooling has fallen on my shoulders. But if I'm being absolutely honest, I'm a bit of a control freak. And I like to do it because then I know it's done a certain way. And I also know that um, I have a relationship with the children where we can probably get it done and get it done quite quickly. Um, also, in my case, my husband is the main breadwinner. And you have to be very realistic about the situations and the mortgage needs to be paid. The bills need to be paid. So you just come up with a, something that works for you. Yes. Very good. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you've got three children. Yes. Are the, um, and you're a working mother. Yes. Very much a working mother. Um, at some point, don't worry, Ollie. We, I will list some of your achievements. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> don't gathering. Worry, I'm, you're not going to list them. <laughs> I, I'm gathering breath to list them. So don't worry, I will list them. But I'm going back to the the nine. You know, in the past, it would have been very difficult for someone in your position as a mum of three children to reach the level and and achievements that you have you have had. Do you think that the world has has changed fundamentally for for good, or do you think we are we're we're in the I mean, do you think that we're going to we're having a setback right now, or it's temporary, permanent? What What do you think about? Well, I do. I do hear a lot of, of my I do hear a lot of my girlfriends and and sometimes myself saying, "Oh, it's all falling falling on the women's shoulders, and it's it's so difficult and it's so unfair." But I actually think women are quite um, should also take responsibility for the fact that 
there's no point just complaining about it. That's how you feel. You need to change it. And I, I do feel that very strongly. So I have, I have been absolutely crystal clear with my husband that, you know, we have to understand who's doing what in this and we have to be a team and act together and, um, and support each other. So I, I actually think it's been, if, if you've managed to have that conversation and that, you know, communicate with your partner about how to manage this, um, I actually think it, women could come out in a stronger position. And I tell you something, my, my husband says he had no idea I worked so hard till he's seen the last year in terms of household and, 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 um, and work. So you definitely feel a bit more appreciated. That's excellent. Now, I know lots of people are inspired by you. I'm inspired by you. Oh, and you're, you're loyal. I'm, I'm, you're very loyal. <laughs> I, I know I'm not alone. Um, to listeners, we should, I should own up that um, Ollie is my um, sister-in-law. So um, we do know each other. Anyway, so I'm inspired by you. Plenty of other people are inspired by you. Who are you inspired by? It's Joe Wicks. I hear that Joe Wicks has a, you have a bit of a soft spot for Joe Wicks. I have to say, I think he's awesome. I, like at the beginning right. of lockdown, beginning of lockdown, I, I had that moment of thinking, oh my goodness, I have no idea how we're going to get through this. And as I said, I didn't have the online teaching with my kids. Um, and Joe Wicks came on. And he was my first, my first experience of lockdown. And the first two days, two days was me and you know, the three kids in front of the TV doing it. And very quickly, I saw the children watching me do it every day in front of Joe Witt saying, come on, mummy, come on, mummy, you can do it. And I suddenly realized this wasn't quite the point. But as they sort of stopped doing it, I did it every single day during that first lockdown. You're and I thought he was brilliant. What's oh, happening I, now? Oh, well, I, I, I do actually, I do take him off now and I do his, um, I, I watch his recordings and I do to him now, but not on such a regular basis because um, um, work is actually quite busy at the moment. Right. Okay. But so I have to say, I, but when I, I did, I did listen to his Desert Island disc, which I would encourage anybody, to, anybody to listen to because his story is very inspirational. Where he's I'm, come from. I'm going to ask you about your Desert Island disc, just um, <laughs> give you a, a little bit of a heads up. Anyway, so the awards that you've received. So, Shivya has been recognised as International Charity of the Year in 2017, Charity Times. You're in management today's 35 women under 35. Dare I say it, that must have been one or two years ago. Um, financial... I told you you were loyal. I told you you were loyal. <laughs> <laughs> financial news list of 40 going the extra mile. Women of the Future 2014. Bear with me. 2016 selected for St. Ed, for Teddy Hall Oxford 35 Women Inspire collection. And how was Theresa May involved in that? Well, Theresa May was involved um, rather than my college in, in my department, which was the geography department. So the colleges, the colleges in Oxford are separate from the departments. Right. And Theresa May, I think it was um, 2018 when the School of Geography was a woman, I think it was the woman year, one of those years. And um and it's always the women year, isn't it? Well, Every it year is the year of the women. <laughs> it does seem to be. And they... Oh, yes, and I they, did, it here, here is, here, This is one of the problems with home homeschooling and homeworking, you see. You have a live example. Um, yes. Well, someone who's there to answer the um, Liverpool Football Club question. The Liverpool, yeah, sure, sure, I'll, bring her, I'll bring her in for the end. Yeah, good. But, um, um, and, and anyway, they decided to put 12 um, female alumni um, up on the wall, I think, for that year. And Theresa May was up and, and I was one of one of the 12. And was that in the midst of taking down statues and portraits all over Oxford as well and Bristol? 
it was and, actually it was just before that actually it was it was in in 2018 and I, and I think the reason um there was a huge student protest about having Theresa May on the wall was because um they felt that an Oxford department shouldn't be aligning itself with a political party of the day because a lot of them are not conservative and they were they were saying it's a political move whereas I think the intention of the of the pictures was actually just to celebrate women in public life or women who have you know, um, our, our leaders in, in whatever field. So there was a bit of a clash, a clash of ideologies there. Well, it's not bad, is it, to be um, female prime minister? It is well, I, mean, I, think, I think it was great. And, and she, so she was a geographer. Um, oh. for, all those, for all those out there who worry about the degree you got, don't worry, because she got a second-class degree um, from, from, St, from St Hughes, I think it was, college in Oxford. Right. Um, on that, do you have any other any other messages for um, students around the country at the moment? Perhaps aspiring leaders who are listening to this podcast thinking, that's where I want to be. Well, I would say, you know, um, often when one is very bored, is when you... Password? Sorry, but I bet you can't stand me, darling. Do you know about your No, password? I don't. I'm sorry, I can't help with the password either. <laughs> I apologise. <laughs> <laughs> these are the challenges one faces. And I say, I would say... Um, well, if you think about old Winston Churchill, out of an, a crisis comes innovation. So if you're a student out there at the moment, not having your student life, not being able to experience the fun of being out and about, and you're feeling a bit bored, you might come up with an absolutely brilliant idea from that bedroom of yours. So innovate, think of great things to do, and just get on and do it. And if they do think of that great idea, can they reach out to you for some help in developing the idea? Oh, of course. I'm, I actually, I'm always, always open to, um, you know, talking to anybody because I have been there in terms of starting something when I started Shivya actually the year I started was uh 2007-8 when we were beginning of a recession and everyone said you'd be mad to start Shivya now you need funds how are you going to get funds when we're going plunging into recession and I thought to myself I don't want to always be told I'm mad starting this organization I was told that a few years ago when I had no skills I was told that um, a few years before that when I was told I was too young so You've just got to sometimes just start and you can prove people wrong. Quite right. Just got to get on with it, haven't you? Yeah, you just got to get, just get on with it. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter because it'll lead to something. And so, I mean, not to dwell too much on management today's 35 women under 35, but moving on a few years since then, have you had any, um, you're not in, you've had any reasons for a midlife crisis or, or anything like that? Have you reached that sort of, Time I, ha I, have, I haven't someone... had any reasons for a midlife crisis. I, 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 I have had um, my, my th third child, great name, as you said, Barnaby. Yeah, great um, he, um, he was born with something called bronchomalacia. So we had three challenging years of... Um, of... Bryce doesn't have a word. Darling, you must not disturb me. Bryce Sorry. Have a word. Okay, off you go. Go and, go, go and ask Daddy to help you. No, I need to. <laughs> Please, I will come and help you after. Quick. I don't, I'm going to get ready to on, on On the Mac. Go on, off you go. Which Mac? Bertie's one. It Please, it go away. I'm going to get across. So, <laughs> don't worry, Izzy, we've got editing buttons. We've got, we've got, we've got editing. <laughs> this this why I go literally, it's okay with you, but can you imagine on my St. Everton AGM last week? <laughs> yeah, well... Okay. 
I'm very lucky. Nicola, Nicola doesn't let me anywhere near it. Um, um, so no, so that that I had. Um, well, hang on, uh, so don't don't when, just start like that. You have to give me. You have to take a breath and then start because otherwise I can't edit it. Oh uh, yeah. So I haven't had a midlife crisis so much, but um, when our, my third child Barney was born, um, he was born with something called uh, bronchomalacia, which is where the airways are small and floppy. So we had, um, you know, it's it's challenging seeing your child not breathing. And we had that quite a lot for three years. And it's not just the time when they're having a breathing fit. It's the, the nights that haunt you, haunt you when, you know, you think it might happen. Yep. So um, I think anything in life when, you, when you're lacking sleep uh, feels more challenging. And um, so I think, I think that was a bit of a trying period. But the irony of COVID for, for us is that because he's be, he has not been around other kids and hasn't picked up any colds and flus and he's grown at the same time, He's never been better than now, so um, we, I think we're through. I think we're through the worst. And where do when when you have a when you find yourself in when you find yourself in times of trouble, where where do you go? What do you refer to? How do you steal yourself for the crisis? I probably talk to my dad because he always makes me laugh, and I think laughter is a great um, cure for anything. Um, and I probably reached out to those St Mary's friends I told you about at the beginning of the school because they are very very close to me. So Ollie let's, yes. let's talk a little bit about leadership because okay. there'll be lots of people listening millions of people listening to this <laughs> podcast wanting to know what you thought what your thoughts are on the leaders of today and perhaps a little bit about how leadership has changed over the course of your your career and just bear in mind that some of our listeners will be aspiring leaders and what, what, what thoughts you have for them. Well, I, I think the best leaders are those um, who probably um, don't, uh, who, who, who are not arrogant. I think, there's no, I think there's little place for arrogance anymore in this world. I think the leaders who shout from the top and, and, and so try and lead with a, an iron rod and through fear don't actually get the best out of their staff. I think collaborative leaders, people who leaders who are um, listen as well as as well as dictate, are, are probably those who have a more of a place with this younger generation uh, taking organisations forward. So, just um, I've just got a couple more questions. If you don't have to run to find passwords and um, <laughs> passwords so on. And, and 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 God knows what some some simple maths answer to something so you haven't yet featured on desert island discs so we don't we did make a mention of desert island discs now i know you'll know that at the end when laura levine is casting you off she um allows you to choose a disc that you'd like to save from the water and also a um something of, of value to you that you'd like to take with you what what would those be hmm. The item of value to me would be my engagement ring. Right. Um, I love it. It, it was, um, it was, it was um, George bid for it in Sotheby's. So it's quite a high risk strategy because you can't exactly return it. Um, and um, it was a real um, surprise to me. And I've, I've loved it and cherished it every day since. So I definitely take that with me. Not that useful, is it, on a desert island? No, but I look at it and it makes me happy. Oh, that's good. I, you know, I, I look at it when I'm when I'm traveling, when I'm it's just a little thing always with me. So um, well, I think as Laura Levine would say, we'll let you have that. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. 
Um, and um, you never know. I could get the I could get the sun to go off the diamond to light a fire. You never know. Yeah. Be creative with it. Yeah. Um, in terms of a book, you wouldn't be tempted to use the engagement ring to, to, to sell, buy to sell off to sell off. Yeah. <laughs> sell that, off that's diamonds. not what you're all about. It's not some <laughs> currency you're trying to take. Well, you never know. You've given me ideas now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, when I return just for the platinum well I you know, think we'll, we'll, we'll stop before you start wondering what the tribesmen <laughs> on the island look like shall we yeah I've got after years in India I've got very good bargaining techniques um so um um if I had to take a book well I was thinking more a disc actually a disc um I would probably take Probably take Queen because my children absolutely love it. And Is that dancing Queen? No, no, just the whole, the whole, the whole collection of Queen, um, right. Bohemian Rhapsody, and that the whole disc because the children absolutely love it, and I, I love the fact they love it, and they and I sing along a lot in the car to it. So, Ollie, look before we go, I just want to talk a little bit more about Shivia. So, um, because we could talk for a long time about Shivia, the achievements are quite extraordinary. Can you just tell us? How many families have been lifted out of poverty across Bengal? Gosh, I would say I would say with, with a definite answer about twenty thousand, because not not everybody on your program is successful. But to put that into context, that is the equivalent of of lifting the entire population of of Dorking or Leatherhead out of yeah. poverty. Probably. I mean, I mean, I mean, each family has about six, um, six people dependent in it. There are probably, probably about six people in each family. So we're talking about 120,000 people. Okay, um, so it's bigger than that. Um, individuals. So we're and more then, like Brighton. Yeah, probably like Brighton. Yep, <laughs> and then, and then you have, and then you have, um, you know, the, the knock-on effect to wider communities of our program. So you could actually be going into the, um, you know, hundreds of thousands. So, for example, something like our agricultural program, we, we have a certain number of families on our portfolios, but whole communities are changing their farming techniques um, because they're seeing what their neighbours are doing. So that, that's the indirect impact, which is harder to measure. And I heard a rumour that the, you'd been so successful in Bengal that you, you, might, be, you, you might be sponsored to spread the, spread the microphone, to spread the Shivia way of doing things across India as a whole. I mean, yes, India is well, a big place, isn't it? But Yeah, well, we, we've just started in October. We've started something in Mumbai called Shivya Livelihoods Foundation, which is now up and running, right. uh, uh, an independent organization. And um, the idea of Shivya Livelihoods Foundation is that, uh, it's going to replicate what we're doing in Bengal elsewhere in India by partnering with other organizations who want to do what we've done in Bengal successfully and take it to other parts of India. And, and how's that come about? It's come about because, um, you know, in, in, when you're working in India, there's, um, there's a lot of bureaucracy, there are a lot of licenses um, you have to get. And um, there are some, you know, challenges, which means that if you're only working with one organization, um, like, like we are in, at the moment in Bengal, the organization we started there called Nerdin, if that, doesn't, if that uh, particular arrangement doesn't work, the whole thing collapses. So we decided rather than having all our eggs in one basket, we would start partnering with other organizations who um, who have those licenses, you know, the local, local cultures in different states and start taking our models from West Bengal and letting them implement them in other, it's like a social franchising model in other states. Um, and what it, it's a more cost-effective model than us starting an organization each time in different states. 
And what is it about your model that is, re is so replicable? It's very, very simple. So, so something like the poultry model, all we're doing is providing families with toolkits of 10 one-day-old chicks, feed, vaccinations, medication, and training for six months. So very poor families know how to start and run a poultry enterprise. Now, it's simple and it's effective. It costs us about 15 pounds to supply one of those toolkits and the families contribute five pounds towards it. So it's, it's got some scalability in it. It's got some sustainability in it. And, and it's very simple for, on the whole, uneducated farmers to get the concept. And um, where, do where does your funding come from? Um, it comes from a range of, of different organisations, corporates and foundations, um, individuals, as well as events, people running, like you do, people running marathons for us. Um, I've, climb, you know. <laughs> I've given up. Don't get your hopes up. I've no, no, there's a, virtual, up. there's a virtual marathon coming up in October. I'm going to be knocking on your door. Um, well, so have you got spaces on it? We have. We have so five any, spaces. Any, oh, excellent. So any listeners could, could ask to, what, what would they have to raise? So, so they can they can raise whatever they want actually because the, the virtual marathon is. I mean, if anyone raised five hundred pounds, we'd be delighted. As wow. I said, one toolkit costs fifteen pounds, so you'd be helping a lot of families. Um, but you know, the, the 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 virtual marathon is going to be taking the same day as the physical event, um, so they're going to do the two in parallel. And we've got one place in the physical event and five in the virtual marathon. And if um if someone raises five hundred pounds, do they get a free chicken? Well, they can ask me for, and we can see what we can do. <laughs> as I said, we've got a can-do attitude. We've done some bizarre things. I, I often dress up as a chicken to put to people's satisfaction. <laughs> Golly, okay. Would, so for 500 pounds, would you dress up for a chicken? I, I, as a chicken I, I, would, I would dress up as a chicken for them. <laughs> for 500, surely a little bit more than that. Have to be, if it was a thousand pounds. Well, if, I tell you, if you ran as a chicken, there, 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 ah. might be a, there might be a prize. <laughs> Golly, it's just too exciting. Shivya is just too exciting. And where's Shivya going to get to? Well, I, my hope is that it gets to a point where I'm not needed anymore. Um, and it can, it can run on its own where actually Shivya is raising money in India for India. Um, that would be the ultimate goal. Um, another goal is that just other organisations are replicating our model. So... That would be a huge impact. We'll be able to help many, many people way beyond our own remit. And hopefully we can just inspire people. You know, um, we, we obviously have all our beneficiaries, but um, we take, we, we run every year with Artemis, one of our biggest sponsors, a, a family field trip. And apparently many of the young have been inspired by going out to India without seeing how other people live, seeing, seeing the, um, the culture of our team. It's a real, as we were talking about earlier, can-do attitude, dedication to their work, passion behind what they're doing. And, and I think they've all found that inspiring. So I hope, and I hope we, we inspire people and touch people in whatever way, you know, whether it's, whether it's because they're an beneficiary or whether, it, whether it's because they're part of the journey. And what are you going to do when Shivya doesn't need you anymore? Well, I, I talk about podcasts right now with the St. Evan Hall Alumni Association. I'm hosting a podcast. Oh, no, you're not, no, no, no. You're not allowed to plug another podcast. <laughs> don't tell me that. Don't tell me that Sakir Starmer is coming on your podcast. <laughs> well, talk about political allegiances. Um, no, so, so I'm doing that, which I'm enjoying. Um, I don't know, actually. I've, I've, um, um, we'll just have to see where, where doors, doors often open unexpectedly. And did, um, did you ever meet Mother Teresa? No, I was, I was deeply saddened because actually I was um, going to go and spend time with her in that year off and she died... Um, just before I went. But I do that. have a letter from her, which I which I have in my drawer, which she wrote directly to me. Golly. 
Wow. Right. So listen, Ollie Belcher, it's been such an honour having you on the Mad Leaders podcast. Well, thank um, you so much for having me. I am. I'm going to look so differently at chickens. And how, in fact, last question, how do you, how do you have your eggs? How do I have my eggs? Well, probably um, soft boiled. Great. Okay. Well, perhaps and I'll we tell can... you something. I'll tell you something. I've never had an egg before, which tastes as good as the ones in Bengal made, uh, you know, given, served to us by our beneficiary farmers. They're very happy chickens. Well, I've got to say, if there's ever a cause worth running for, it's, it has to be Shivian. <laughs> I mean, the thought of, I mean, what, what have we got? We've got fine eggs. We've got free chicken. We've got, yeah. Yeah. you run around in a in a in a chicken outfit and that's you can just you, a, you can run in a chicken outfit and you can run in a chicken outfit i mean what's what not to like about that <laughs> ollie belcher thank you ever so much for joining thank um, you best of luck with shivia and see you soon <laughs>